This is The Sean Pru Show on Canada Talks, Sirius XM 167. Lots of Thought Revolution Radio ahead for you this whole hour. Lots to get to as we look at race issues here in Canada and as Americans look at their ongoing issues. Author Nicole Draffin raises an interesting point in her new book, Hyphened Nation. The U.S. is one of the only countries in the world, if not the only, who hyphenates its citizens by ethnicity before nationality, i.e., African-American. She says by allowing such boxes, it gives permission to limit economic, educational, societal, and cultural growth. We're going to hear more from her coming up in the hour. Dr. Carol Lieberman is back too, just in time, because as you've no doubt heard, Instagram will begin uh, testing hiding like counts on posts. Oh no. And so too is Facebook. Oh no. But when you get a little high, when you see that a post has amassed a lot of likes, and when so many of us live in the world of social media, what could that potentially do to mental health? Who are we without the approval of people we don't know? But first, I'm excited to spend time now with our next guest. We found her. She's hard to pin down. Clash Magazine declared her one of the pivotal figures in North American dance music. She's a globally loved, multi-award winning artist, a groundbreaker, and is celebrating 25 years as a businesswoman at the helm of Play Records, where Dead Mouse was originally signed first back in, in the day. And even if the genre of music she's creating isn't even your thing, you're going to want to meet this fascinating person. Her name is Melly Fresh. When I first met you, you were Melanie Melody. It's so fun to see you again. How are you? It's been a minute. I am. I'm okay. I'm You're surviving over there? <laughs> yeah, I'm surviving. Oh my God. So, I'm good. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen you. I know. I think. Wow. The there last used to be time. events and parties and things to go to once upon a time, and that's where I'd run into you. I know. Maybe a pride, too. Yeah, a pride. Few times. Oh, remember yeah. pride. <laughs> yeah, remember pride. What's happening? <laughs> remember life. <laughs> uh, I want to so talk done. about twenty-five years, um, keeping any business alive for twenty-five years and having it thrive is an accomplishment. How does it feel to reach this milestone? And and tell us what your secret is to your longevity. Oh, that's a, that's a huge question. Um, where to begin? <laughs> well, as it is, I mean, Play Records is a very much an online business because most of our music comes from artists uh, who send it to me from all over the world um, digitally. I mean, that's been happening for years. And uh, in the old day, they used to mail in music, you know, with CDs and, mm. and you'd have to listen that way. But now uh, everything comes to you uh, as an MP3 or a wave and, and you can listen to things and um, and decide if uh, it's suitable for your label. The music, which our label is house music more than anything. And it's mm -hmm. a lot of house, disco house, tech house, uh, funky house, you know. And um, yeah, we get submissions um, <laughs> to the label. And then the people that we meet when we used to go to conferences like the ADE or Miami Music Week or or to um, Ibiza, you know, we've met a lot of people there, uh, producers and and artists, and we would they'd pitch us music on the spot, and we would listen to things and decide if it was suitable for the label, and 
get it up and get it out. Um, and what would you say when it wasn't? They're pitching you on the spot. You don't like the, the, what you're hearing. What do you say? What do you say? Uh, How do you get out of that? (laughs) You know, I love what you're doing. I I love your beats and uh, I love the vibe, but um, it's just, you know, it's not going to work for this uh, particular project that we're working on right now. And and or something or words to that effect. (laughs) When you hear something and you know you love it, is that how you, you are signing people? Like you just hear it and it's an immediate yes? I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. I would say probably yes. Tell and us about also, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say also there's a lot of producers that contact me directly with uh beats and things and maybe want me to put a vocal on top or mm. or find help find them a vocalist or something. Mm. And uh I've matched matched up people together on projects. Um it's uh it's it's a lot of uh a lot of phone communication and um yeah <laughs> you're you're celebrating 25 years as a businesswoman um which is the accomplishment but longer than that um for three decades now for 30 years you've been an artistic force yourself what does that mean to you and and how do, how have you stayed relevant all this time in a world where artists come and go? Well, I think things have been changing so rapidly in the last little while. And, and a lot of it, um, I mean, with, with the internet more than anything, if we had had the, you know, YouTube even uh, back in the day, I think we might've been so much further ahead now than, than we are. Um, But we're, we're catching up. We're catching up. I mean, you've got TikTok, you've got, you know, all these different platforms. And, and also, I mean, Beatport and iTunes came out when in 2005, I think, Yeah, is when they started. And, and before that, everything was done with, um, with CDs and vinyl, you know, that's how you would um, get your music out and to people to listen to and stuff. And uh, it's just, you know, now what? We have NFTs. Like, do you know what an NFT is? I do. I do. I have a vague understanding and and appreciation of them. Um, But I I wouldn't want to try to explain it to somebody. Non-fungible something. Tokens. Tokens. Yes. And And it it has to do... A video. It can be a piece of art. It can be uh, the the boss man at Twitter's autograph on a tweet. It can yep. be anything like that, and they're going for um, a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, wrapping it's all, my head around the concept. <laughs> I know it's all to do with Bitcoin and yes. blockchain and all and this mining, stuff. But mining is so bad for the environment because of the yeah. But you're not and- <laughs> you're not mining like you're not going down there with a hard hat no, on there or anything. It's you know, mathematics. You're, it's on your computer. It's well, on so, a computer. Let me and ask you this. <laughs> let me ask you this as we're as yeah. we're sort of trying to fumble our way through what this is. We we do sound um, like two people of a generation who are trying to figure out how something works. Now, how has it been in this world is, as you said, of TikTok and, and um, 
all these other social media sites that pop up and we've got to be on them. Um, uh-huh. What's that like having to figure all that out? Do you participate? Are you, you know, suddenly active on TikTok as TikTok exists? Um, or what are you, what's your filter? I think I'm, I'm definitely getting more active on TikTok, but <laughs> I mean, Instagram, I use a lot because it's, you can post up photos and, and shout out and announce new music coming out. And, yeah. and uh, for me, Instagram is a, uh, is a, is a good platform. Plus you can, if you see things on there and hear music that you like the sounds of, you can actually reach out to people directly and say, you know, I love your music. You know, do you have anything that you might like to put out on my right. label kind of thing? It's, um, it's kind of, I'm, I'm always looking for new talent, but new talent is always looking for a home. Yes. I, so I, this is yeah. what I want to do. I want to take a break and come back with you. And I want to pick your brain and get you to tell us some stories from your time in the industry. How do you feel about that? Because if anyone's got stories, <laughs> uh, if anyone's got a couple of good ones, it's Melly Fresh. We've got the Sean Prue show here. <laughs> she's, she's laughing trepidatiously. <laughs> we were not, nothing litigious, nothing that's going to put anyone in hot water. Just, you know, a okay. couple of good stories. I'll give you a couple of minutes to think about it. The Sean Prue show is back in just two. I'm glad you're with us here on SiriusXM Canada Talks Channel 167, celebrating Melly Fresh. The Sean Prue Show on Canada Talks, Sirius XM 167. Hey, glad you're with us. It's Sean Prue here. Happy weekend to you. Have you ever noticed this as a Canadian? Uh, and, and if you're an American listing, just pause for one second. Something that happens in America a lot is, is they hyphenate ethnicity before a nationality. Like they go African-American. But we don't go African-Canadian, do we here? I don't ever hear that. And I always notice that when I hear it said on television. Well, we've got a, the author of a new book called Hyphened Nation, uh, who claims the U.S. is the only country in the world that does that, and that by allowing to do that to happen all the time, that is giving permission to limit economic, educational, societal, and cultural growth. So we're going to talk to her in just a little bit. And also, what are we going to do? Facebook and Instagram are taking away likes. How are we going to know that we're approved by the people in the world that we don't know? Uh, and what's that going to do to our mental health? Dr. Carol Lieberman is with us in just a little bit. But right now, we're celebrating 25 years of Melly Fresh, a globally loved, multi-award multi winning artist, groundbreaker, uh, and the, the head of Play Records, where Dead Mouse was first signed back in the day, and celebrating 30 years as an artistic force herself, making beautiful house music. Um, Melly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Welcome back. <laughs> Tell us a story about an obstacle that you've had to overcome. You've got stories for days, someone like you. What, what's an obstacle as, as a businesswoman um, that you've, you've had to overcome? That I've had and, to overcome? Yeah. Um, just being a woman. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that because I, I don't know whether you heard me, but I said, man, yeah, I bet you. No, it's a, it's a challenge. Um, in this in this particular business, because I mean, 
if you even notice, there's so many, uh, so many DJs out there, but there's more men than women DJing. Yes. And yes. there's a lot more men in, in the actual business of running a label. And that always gets very tricky. Um, but obstacle wise, I haven't That's had a big one. Yeah, I haven't. <laughs> I mean, I haven't had a lot of obstacles other than the fact that when I first started doing uh, this kind of music, any kind of music, it was really hard to get it out. And I, that's why I started a label more than anything. I guess it was a little nepotistic. It was to get my music out mm -hmm. um, because it just was going right over people's heads <laughs> like well, from the beginning. You know? The reputation of the music industry—it's—it's it's difficult. It's cutthroat. It's competitive. And you're a woman having to navigate your way through the hot mess of all of that. I can't imagine it was ever uh, a, a walk in the park. No, it, it's not ever been that simple. And uh, it's like rejection is a is a really you know interesting one to deal with when people tell you they don't like. Uh, what you're doing and they don't get your music or understand right. it and uh, you know under normal circumstances I think you would probably uh, just walk away and go I'm never going to do this again but being that I am fairly uh, fairly mm, what's the word I'm looking for uh, stubborn <laughs> stubborn yes <laughs> that I, uh, I don't know I'm, I'm gonna hang in there forever like it doesn't matter what yes. people say and that's yes. good advice for anyone starting out in this business is don't listen to when people are telling you that what you're doing is not what they want it doesn't matter because if you love it then you should just keep doing it right I agree with you so much what's totally. your sign what's your sign Taurus Taurus. Oh, stubborn, just... <laughs> stubborn. <laughs> it was just my birthday the other day. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. you. My mom's a Taurus. Hey, uh, tell us your your best dead mouse story. Oh, the best one. I think the, the most exciting one was when we first met because I was doing a uh, an album for uh, Carol Pope. I was helping her become a dance disco diva. And uh, I don't know if we uh, got there, it was on Transcend, and we did remixes. And I got, Dead Mouse came into the mix uh, along the way. He was suggested for one of the tracks, and he did. And he was not known at that point at all. And um, he did a remix of Americana, the Carol Pope uh, track. Uh, yes, you can course. find it. It's on Spotify for sure. Um, but he showed up at my door like oh, about what was it? Five months later, five, six months. And I'm like, who are you? And he's like, I'm Dead Mouse. And I was like, OK, I've been looking <laughs> for you. <laughs> I, I actually have some money for you. So I invited him in for tea and uh, and we kind of became uh, new best friends. And we were chatting away and he was uh, asking me if I had anything else he could do. So I gave him Beautiful Rich and Horny, which was a track I had done with Alexander III, who then went on to become Azari and, and Three. Mm -hmm. And uh, he did an amazing remix. And 
he was doing stuff for Tommy Lee or he was a fan of Tommy Lee's, but Tommy got a hold of our track sex slave and attention whore. And he loved them. He thought they were amazing. And he called up Joel and he said, is there, you know, I want you guys to, uh, to come to Montreal with me and, and open up for uh, a show I'm doing. And he was doing a festival at the, uh, uh, no, uh, what was it called? I'll remember in a minute. But anyhow, we we ended up, we went out to Montreal and we met Tommy and we went out with him in his limo to this uh, field in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and, uh, and Joel and I performed our songs for the first time ever. I love this and story. It was so much fun. Like it was the first performance the No Exit Festival. That's what it was called. It. I don't know. I don't know if it still exists or whatever, but it was like late at night and in the dark. And and the, the drive to get out there was totally it was like I thought they were kidnapping us. I mean, <laughs> it was so bizarre. And we get there and Joel has set up his computer and I'm waiting and we get our cue to start our set. And we had figured it out ahead of time. And I'm come, I came out and, I, and I'm singing, you know, After Hours or, and Sex Slave and Attention Whore and, and all these tracks we had done, I think Cocktail Queen. And uh, at one point, Tommy was dancing, right? Like he's dancing right behind us. And he tripped and he tripped into me. And, and we went off the stage together. No. Like, yeah, and it was a bit of a way down. And <laughs> but it was we survived, both of us. Um and it was just like so so surreal, you know. <laughs> I love this story. But it was really it was really fun and it was uh because uh, you know when I don't know when Joel said that we were gonna go, he wanted to go and do this, and I was like, Yeah, okay, we'll go do it. And I just couldn't believe that uh, it was actually happening. But um, it was, yeah, it was a very fun, fun thing to do. And what yeah, we had a lot of adventures, you know, and oh, and no we doubt. did a, done a, a, a bunch of tracks. Like uh, I actually went out to Niagara Falls to get them one night and bring them into Toronto. Because to um, Joel, dead to mouth. Get Joel, yes. Yeah, because he was... Uh, he was living at his mom's house and uh, we brought him into town and uh, I think he spent the night at my place. And then, and we eventually found him an apartment up the street. So he and I used to get together a lot, like late at night, we'd be talking on the phone and he'd call me and he'd have a beat and he'd say, what do you think of this? And I'd go, wow, that sounds good. And then I'd start writing some lyrics or, uh, end up going over to his house like at two in the morning and, and we'd record some songs. It was like, it was amazing. And it was really magical. And, and uh, some of our first songs were recorded in the woodshed in my basement, not the woodshed in the, the workroom. Like I have a workroom in my house yes. and there was a, it was pretty dense and there was, a, cause there's a lot of stuff in there. So we, we'd stand in there and we had like a makeshift studio coming out of the workroom into the main area uh, 
of of my downstairs of my basement and it was it was funny it was great and and yeah so some of those first songs were done with very little in the way of uh you know a huge recording studio and 24 tracks and you know big rooms it was uh, just Joel on the computer and me on a microphone so that was always, you know. He's come a long way since those days. He's come a really long way, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Chris Lake actually came and stayed at my house for a week. Is that right? Yeah, and was uh, working with Joel to on an album of his and to do some, uh, I think Joel was actually like engineering for him mm. more than anything, but the two of them were working together. And... Uh, I th at that point, um, Chris uh, introduced Joel to his management company oh. and things kind of went a little haywire went. after that. I got time for one more question with you. I want to yes. know what you know now about yourself that you didn't know at the beginning of this very long, illustrious career you've had. Oh, how resilient I am. <laughs> mm. How invincible I am. You know, I actually just did a new album called uh, Invincible, and it has uh, a bunch of really uh, positive, uh, positive, very friendly, non non rude or sexy uh, lyrics, lyrics, which is pretty strange for me, because <laughs> most of my lyrics are pretty uh, outrageous. I don't know why. It's just uh, it's just what happens, and and I think Single I'm or... I'm good at moaning, and uh, and good at using my voice in a way uh, that is um, really amazing to me. Sometimes the things that I come out with, it uh, is really exciting. But it could be my years of training as a Care Bear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we don't have time to go into that, unfortunately. Yeah, no, that's okay. That's okay. It's, been a, it's been a joy to see you again oh, after all this you, time. Don. Thank so you nice for sharing your stories. You okay. And can I, can I just tell you one thing? Sure. I, if I think people should really keep an eye out for um, DJ gender fluid. He's a, oh. a new DJ on the scene yes. and he's uh, doing some amazing, amazing things with music that are uh, 150 uh, BPMs per minute. It's like, forget about it. That's, <laughs> like, that's a good tip. Madness. appreciate you yeah. hey uh dr carol lieberman joins us in just a minute as you know that her instagram is going to start testing the hiding of like counts on posts and so too is facebook oh my god uh so when you are used to seeing an amassed amount of likes and it gives you a little bit of high uh and they take that away what is that going to do to our mental health uh who are we without the approval of the people that we don't even know the sean Prue show continues here on sirius xm canada talks channel 167 and we're happier here you were perfectly formed for the season. You were wonderfully made, marvelous, amorous, glorious, victorious. You have a purpose. You have a purpose and a reason. Welcome back to the Sean Prue Show on Canada Talks, Sirius XM 167. Here's Sean Prue. 
Here I am, and here's my question for you. Who are we without the approval of people we don't even know? Thank goodness Dr. Carol Lieberman is back with the show. Uh, She's a friend of the show, and she's back just in time. Because as you probably heard, Instagram is going to start hiding like counts on posts. Facebook is as well. But when we see a post that has amassed a lot of likes, it gives us a little bit of a buzz. And so uh, many of us live on social media getting that buzz. What could this do to our mental health? Uh, who are we, as I said, without the approval of people that we don't even know? Um, uh, Carol, welcome back to the show. How do you think social media has transformed our collective mental health? It has uh, made us focus on the wrong things. You know, on the side of social media, uh, you know, people who live far away from each other, who really wouldn't be able to communicate except for a uh, phone, you know, the good old way, uh, or Zoom and so on. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's a quick way to sort of stay in touch with people, uh, see what they're doing and so on. But um, the dangers really outweigh the benefits, because as you mentioned, we get, addi- we literally get addicted to the likes. We have become addicted to the likes. Um, we the psycho measure- something, I can't remember the word for it, but we get, we literally get a high. Yes, it's dopamine. Dopamine. Uh, dopamine gets excreted from our the pleasure center in our brain, and um, it's a reward. We feel pleasure. We feel it, it's a reward. And the problem is, though, you know how like with um, a, a sleeping medication or anxiety medication, you build up a tolerance, meaning that the same dose doesn't oh. affect you the same way you need more and more and more and more in order to get the same sleep or high or whatever it's the same thing with likes that if you know you used to feel good maybe if you got two likes in a day now you want 22 so um it's a never ending kind of reward system and what's sad is that people turn to that for rewards instead of doing more to um, make themselves better in various ways to get rewards in the real world. Yes. Do you think, um, is that the reason too why people um, want their, to get their self-assurance and their validation from social media more than in the real world for the high? Or is there something else psychological going on with that? Well, you know, it's been a strange year, of course, with COVID, where we've been kept indoors and and kept from having uh, face-to-face social interactions. Uh, So that has made us pay more attention, both having extra time and also not having the interpersonal live contacts has made us pay more attention to uh, what happens on social media. And... um, you know, it's it's it we it's both a way of judging ourselves and a way looking at other people and what they put on Instagram or Facebook or you know any social media and and not sort of you know it logically but you don't really uh, it doesn't really compute at the time that people are able to put their best foot forward in these photoshopped pictures you know Facebook yes. and all of this. And so everybody's life and everybody's looks seem uh, much better than your own. And when you compare with what that what you look like in the mirror and you compare to the Facetune photos, <laughs> right, you know, right. So you feel insecure and and uh, not as good as anybody else. Well, are we lacking something then? Because you know, I, I have to say, sometimes I'll post something and I'll think it's really good on whatever platform, and it gets nothing, and I don't care. 
right? Well, you, or, or, and I certainly don't facetune my, my face and put it out there um, that way because I don't care. But is there, is there something, is there a driver in, in those of us who don't care? And I recognize that many of us do. But I also think about all, for all the people that do care, aren't they aware that there's an inauthenticity to all of this and to face tune your face is a kind of a weird thing to do or to smile when you're not really feeling happy for Facebook is a weird thing to do. This is it. Uh, so I said lack, but what, what's going on with uh, the differences people there? realize that more than others. I do a, a funny thing um, where I, I, I get disappointed if I put something up uh, that I think should get lots of comments. I'm talking more about, um, you know, like on Twitter and uh, LinkedIn. So yeah. if I put some kind of commentary about something in the news um, and I'll compare how many likes or how many views I get on Twitter compared to LinkedIn. And I must say, I have not been able to figure out <laughs> why <laughs> get more attention on one platform or the other. Um, I mean, I know it's other, there are other factors as far as when it pops up on people's uh, sure. computers and stuff. Algorithms and stuff. Yeah. Um, so Instagram is going to experiment with taking away likes and Facebook says they are as well. What's this going to do to um, people's mental health, do you think? And I want to ask you um, before that, um, what we're talking about here when we're talking about uh, people who are most affected mentally um, by this, is there an age group or a gender group that this affects the most? Hmm. I'm imagining teenagers or tweens, I'm imagining people who are maybe not quite as, as um, developed yet um, being impacted yes. most. Yes, especially because they don't really have, they, yes, I think what you're talking about is they don't really have their identity uh, firmly formulated yet. Right. And so they're more influenced by what other people think. Yes. Um, they also have more time to spend on social media. Um but as far as the the other thing, um, you, it's hard to put the genie back in the bottle. You know, I mm. think that uh, taking away the likes is as you know bad as they are, and so on. We've gotten used to them, <laughs> so it's going to plunge society into a more of a depression. There's going to be a pointlessness already. to it. I mean, yeah, I don't know that people are going to be paying. I mean, the one positive, I guess, is that I don't think people are going to be spending as much time on social media if they're not going to get likes. Right. You say you can't put the genie back in the bottle. We're going to have um, a society that is no longer getting likes. They're going to do what? I mean, stop using altogether? Or is this going to be like um, a different kind of reaction? Well, I don't know that they're going to be able to add something if they take this way to add something that is going to attract us as much mm. as the likes. Um, mm. I mean, I've heard that they're thinking about um, only having two, showing two people who liked it and depending upon who your um, mutual friends are or something. I, I, I think, I don't know, it seems like a bad idea, but a bad idea for the companies, not that I'm worried about their yeah. body. But, you know, I'm sure you saw the uh, the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma. No, it's on my list. Oh, oh, you have to see that. Yeah, that is um, it's a it's a documentary about uh, with interviews of people who used to work at the various social media companies, 
and they tell the truth of what is behind the scenes. And the bottom line is that it's real, even though we all think of Google as like something free and cool and Facebook or other social media is free and cool. It's really, they are sell. it's not free. They are selling us. I mean, it's free to us to use, but that's because they are, they are using us. We're the, yes. 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 To to the advertisers. We're the commodity. Right. So I think if that, I think that should be shown in every um, elementary school, you know, middle school and high school um, every year to remind people, you know, that uh, like, to, to alert people to the fact of what, what is happening, you know, how we are providing money <laughs> to these yes. companies. And not getting paid. um i know i can feel a lot of parents listening to this right now and and just going back to the idea that it's a lot of teenagers who are going to be widely affected by this and bearing in mind that the same brain circuits that are activated by eating chocolate or winning money are activated when teenagers see all these likes on their photos or their um peer photos um this is going to be taken away we're not quite sure what's going to happen too much but what what do you say for parents listening to this who keep hearing so much about their social media uh, the lives of their children on social media bullying that goes on on social media yes. what do you what what would what would you do if you were the parent of a teen um and were concerned about all of this well, you know, what I would do um, is, and what I advise parents to do is to get kids of all ages to realize that what, that these likes are meaningless, you know, first of all, it is like you were saying the al- algorithm, it is, it, a lot of it has to do with that, you know, how many times you show up. So it's not really a good measure of how much you're liked. Um and um, my cat is agreeing with me here. <laughs> Last week it was my dog on the show. This week it's your cat. <laughs> okay. Um, but and to put the value on real things in life that make you more likable or make you more valuable as a person. So, for example, and I know it's hard with with uh, although the COVID restrictions are being relaxed, but in other words, to do things in real life, to learn a sport to read a lot of books, to volunteer, to do things that really do make you a better person rather than relying on, you know, some random people giving you likes, giving yourself, in other words, do things that will give yourself likes. Yes, because we can also release dopamine when we've accomplished something that that's what happens. And that's that feeling of accomplishment. When you've even if you've just like cleaned a messy room, um, you get a dopamine hit, don't you? Yes, and that's what you're saying is get your hits from something else. Yes. Um, meditation, music, yes. exercise, uh, being out in the sunlight. All of these things um, are very uh, productive in terms of dopamine, you know, very um, help you get a lot of dopamine. And these are good things, you know, instead of like sitting glued to your phone or uh, or your computer and, and um, just waiting for the likes to roll in. I'm going to ask you one more question, then I'm going to let you go. I've got another, I know you've got another interview after this. Um, what is the best thing about social media? Um, and what is the worst, in your opinion, as, a, as an expert? The best is that um, it allows you to sort of keep in touch, keep, you know, like if, um, if your friends are posting things that they're doing and 
it could be used in a good way where you actually um, uh, comment on other people, you know, putting the little like on Facebook, the little uh, the hug uh, emoji, for example, or a like, yes. of course. Um, and and comment, you know, you can kind of quickly comment to a number of friends uh, and and support them. You know, tell them nice things, tell them uh, how happy you are for their various successes and so on. Um, that you know, I do recommend that people do that because um, because we need to spread kindness around and mm-hmm. good feelings around, and so that's the best part. And the worst part is just getting addicted and spending life online instead of in the real world. You're always a pleasure to have on Dr. Carol Lieberman helping us understand um, the ins and outs of our mind. I'll let you go. I know you've got that other interview to do now. You've got the Sean Pru show here on SiriusXM Canada Talks Channel 167. Author Nicole Draffin is raising an interesting point in her new book, Hyphened Nation. The U.S. is one of the only countries in the world, if not the only, who hyphenates its citizens by ethnicity before nationality and what are the prices that society is paying because of that. We've got that coming up after these messages and I'm glad you're here. This is The Sean Pru Show on Canada Talks, Sirius XM 167. I have been looking forward to this uh, next guest this whole hour. She raises such an interesting point in her new book, Hyphened Nation. Her name is Nicole Draffin, and she is uh, the author of this new book where she says that the U.S. is one of the only countries in the world, if not the only, who hyphenates its citizens by ethnicity before nationality. So, for example, African-American. And as I was saying earlier in the show, as a Canadian, I've always noticed we don't do that here. We don't say African-Canadian. Maybe the odd time I might have heard that making that up. Don't think I ever have. Um, She says that by allowing those boxes to exist, we give permission to limit economic, educational, societal, and cultural growth. And she is finally here to talk to us about that. Nicole, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for having me. Of course. uh, Such an interesting um, uh, argument and point you're raising here, inspired by your travels overseas. Tell us about that. Well, um, as an adult, I've um, had worked for many years and I finally decided to travel. I wanted to go someplace that um, I could do something that I thought was amazing. I ran a marathon in Wells and I went, I really, I enjoyed it in Snowdonia and I I had never been to England. I'd always loved watching shows that were produced by the BBC or one TV. And so I decided, I said, that's where I'm going. And when I went there, I went with the whole, preconception that it's going to be just like America, but with a different accent and maybe ah, wrong, completely wrong, wrong, completely wrong. The people um, just, I mean, I ran the marathon and that was fun, but my biggest, um, the thing that was a total epiphany for me was the way I was treated and, uh, you know, being called an American, you know, people would ask me uh, questions and then, they, they'd hear my accent and say, oh, they'd sometimes think I was Canadian, but then they'd yes. say, are you American? And I'd say, yes. And they'd say, oh, and then of course our conversation would ensue from there, but it was never African-American and it might seem like a very small thing, but being called American versus African-American, 
created a whole new dynamic that I completely did not expect. Tell us about and, that. Well, um, in America, as a person of color and African-American, when pe people ask me, I've been asked all my life, depending on how I wear my hair um, or things of that nature, what are you? And they ask you that because they're trying to figure out how to connect with you. And okay. so if you say, oh, you know, I'm African-American. Oh, really? Well, you know, I have a friend that's, that's black. Do you like soul food? Because they immediately, they, they go for the stereotypes immediately. Yes. And or, or, hey, what are you? Oh, I'm, I'm Persian. Oh, really? Well, I know a great restaurant that serves, you know, Iranian food or whatever. It's like, I'm your neighbor. I live down the street from you. I was born in America. I've been here generations. We have the exact same culture, but simply because I am labeled as African-American, then somehow that makes me other American. That makes me somehow different from you. We've gone to the same schools. We eat at the same restaurants. We have the exact same life experience. Yet. What else, what else, what else causes people in America to, you said that they want to bond with you, but is there anything else that um, is what is the reason why this kind of putting you in a box of course is, is happening why tell us more well i think it's historically because um um black people in general and, and other um people of color as well we have so many different labels that have, that come from the government um from checking boxes you know you go every place you go you have to check a box and um, when you, if you know, well, in America, when you check boxes, it starts with white Caucasian and then everything else is other American. And I call it other American because it has that hyphen. And I wrote in my book that the hyphen in your, um, the hyphen, hyphenation of your nationality, that hyphen looks exactly like a minus symbol and does the same thing. It minimizes your nationality. So you get it in banks. You get it when you're applying for loans. You get it at school. Every place you go, you're expected to check a box. And then that box puts you in that particular category. And then, of course, with the media, if you look at most television shows that were made in the 80s, the 90s, some the 2000s, and now we're going into 2021. 20, um, you see that the characters who are people of color, and I'm not just talking about Black, I'm talking about Asian, I'm talking about um, Latino, everyone is depicted as poor, not everyone, that's a generalization. A lot I of know people, what you're saying. And it's yes, correct. you see, they're, they're pimps, they're gangbangers, they're, okay. um, they're always that other person that's on the outskirts of whoever is living a good life. Even when you see um, people of color living good lives, they still had to struggle and they're the only ones there like the Jeffersons. Yes. So for me, when shows came out like The Cosby Family, that was the only time in my childhood that there was a family that actually resembled the family that I grew up with. Right. And it was, it was, and, it, and so now you're seeing on Netflix and all these different shows, representation matters. Representation has always mattered. And I do believe that the people who control the media have always known that, but they didn't care. But now the society has become more woke, as they want to say. Um, now it's like, I, I don't consider any of that woke or cancel culture, any of no. that. People are sick of it. People, it, you know, you have a right to be sick of not being represented. 
the hyphen is a minus sign which discounts who you are is what you're saying to us and um that's like gone right under my skin um <laughs> i can't believe i haven't heard this point being raised before take us back to the uk if you don't mind which is a stomping ground of mine and i know england very well especially london and and i know that as much as canada and the U.S. like to call themselves melting pots, which we are. Um, I strongly believe that in the U.K., London, um, that's a melting pot of international um, people. And it's the, and, and the likes that I, that I don't think I've ever seen anywhere else. And yet none of this goes on there. We don't exactly. say we don't say um, African British. We don't say African English. We don't say that. And what's why specifically in the U.S. you say it's probably the only country that does it? Well, why? Why there? Well, okay. First, I'd like to go back to what you said about America being a melting pot. To me, America is a buffet. There's all these different flavors, and they're all in different pots. And you put the good stuff in one area, and you put the stuff that's less likely to be eaten in another area. That's what Ooh. America is. Ooh, <laughs> I stand corrected. I, I put it in a nicer way than you did, but it's your country, so yes. you can describe it. But but I would agree with you. Yes, it is a buffet. It is a buffet it's, without stuff at the back that no one ever wants, but we make it anyway. Right. That is exactly the prime rib there. And then oh, everybody, everything God. else is by the gelatinous. Um, yeah, nice the gelatinous stuff. <laughs> That's how that is. So with the UK, I knew the UK was different from the television shows that I watched here in America. Um, you would see families and, you know, assist, my sister is coming over and the, the, you might see the, the one sister is Caucasian, the other sister is Asian, the other sister is black. And, you know, and but no, it was one show I watched. It was about nurses. And it, that was one of the scenarios of it. Luther or different shows like that where I knew that England was different in that that they cast people of color in shows that they would never cast. And he, just like, let's say, Leverage and Hustle. I don't know if you've seen those two shows where they cast a lead as black in England and they cast a lead as white in America. They redo shows and bring them over here and they change the characters, the lead characters to white. And I knew England was different. England was, I'd walk into pubs and I'd hear Tina Turner or Nancy Wilson, and it would be all older Caucasian people in this pub. No one would turn around and look at me like, what are you, I'd have people invite me. I'd say, hi, I say, can I share your table? Oh, sure, you're from America. Play, you know, the pub games and things like that. There was a sense of welcoming, not a sense of, oh, you're brown, so you don't belong here. Because quite honestly, unless I opened my mouth, People assumed I was English, yes. and it was it wasn't it wasn't something where oh you're 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 what are you doing here? It would be just the difference of me walking in America into a uh, a, a um, country western bar that was right. full of people who were uh, um, Caucasian, and you know I might get some looks where that wouldn't happen in England. So in my opinion, England is about. 10 years ahead, England is what America pretends to be, in my opinion, in Europe. It's everything that America pretends they are. You see interracial couples, no one paid them a second glance. Still in this country, 
I see people, you know, you know, I've even had people walk up to me and say, oh, you know, what are you? Because, you know, my friends, she's white and she's having her, her, you know, she's with a black guy and, you know, I'm kind of trying, we're trying to figure out what the child's going to look like. Who cares? Yeah, no, it's prevalent there. Nicole, I've got about uh, three minutes left with you. And so I want to talk about um, what solutions exist in your mind for all of this. Well, for me, um, my book is called Hyphen Nation, Don't Check the Box. And Don't Check the Box is the movement that sprang from Hyphen Nation. Um, One is reading the book and pretty much seeing what, what I'm talking about as far as having an epiphany, leaving the United States, which is a bubble, and they really are really good at making people think that America is the best place in the world to live. America is great. I love it. I love my You country. guys do mythologize. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you but love to do that. Are, yes, but there are places where you can go and this is not the way it is all over the world. That is, if I could bring that to everyone's attention that the way people of color are treated in this country is not like this in the rest of the world it is something that was created by media so what we need to do is we need to stop accepting it don't check the box i understand from certain medical conditions yes you check a box but in every other um every other um every every other sphere of life why are you checking boxes well what purpose do you need that box checked So don't check the box and join our movement, go on our website and see what you can do to be part of this great movement. And and I do want to hear stories. I always ask people on social media to share their stories of what they have experienced living in a hyphen nation and what that has done for them as far as has it made your life better, has it made your life worse? I can't imagine. And a lot of times um, there's a lot of people, white people, who actually have asked that question as well. And especially when they have children with someone of a different race and they're saying, okay, why do why does my child have to de- identify as this or this? Right. They can't just be American. So um, I encourage everyone to read the book and join the movement. Read the book. It's called Hyphens Nation. Nicole Draffin is the author. Nicole, you mentioned uh, go to the website, but we didn't hear the URL. So tell us where to go. It's hyphened nation which is hyphened and then a little hyphen nation.com i kept it simple you kept it simple uh i'm i'm so glad to have had you on this is one of my favorite conversations we've had in a a while i think very timely given where we're at in the world you raised such interesting points and i want to thank you for coming on the show Uh, nicole draffin dr carol lieberman melly fresh thanks for all being my guests today that's another sean Proust show over and out for this hour, you can always catch episodes you missed on demand on the SiriusXM app or over on SeanPru.com, where you can also subscribe to my Thought Revolution newsletter and get some what the what content that makes you think about things a little differently. Until next weekend, I wish you peace and I wish you love. Thanks for coming. Oh, my rebel.